Hello, listeners. We are trying a new audio format. Um, Some of you were nice enough to offer donations so that we could improve our audio, which is absurd as we, if we cannot take your money for this, we can't do it. No, it's, it's, listen, we really appreciate it, but like the idea of someone going, I'm going to pay for these two idiots to have discussions about TV on like a public access basic cable show is kind of like high def. Yeah, I mean, listen, we do appreciate it, really. Um, And if we ever move on to, like, serious projects, unquote, like, maybe we actually might set up a Patreon or whatever the fuck. But not right now. We're both kind of busy. But uh, that's not really what we came to discuss. We came here to discuss two things. Family road trips and the fact that in an episode about road movies, there were no car stunts. Yeah, we're here. So we thought our opening gag would be a really great time to discuss all the horrible family road trips we've had to endure. Now, the great thing about having um, just wild and crazy families is that that line, it's, it's a combination of Homer Simpson's, as far as anyone knows, we're a normal American family, and the Onion headline that reads, everything a goddamn ordeal in area family. Oh, yeah. I actually have a lot of really awful family road trip stories because here's the thing. I have four younger siblings, And when we go on family road trips, we all tend to go together. And because there's so many of us, buying plane tickets would be absurd and exorbitant. So what we do instead, and what we did for like 90% of my childhood, was we would pile into my giant fuck-off massive. It used to be an expedition, and then it was an excursion. And there were like those nine-door fucking weapons-grade barrel van fuckers. (laughs) <laughs> and way back when I was little, we used to have to do, and this is gonna, this is gonna make me sound fucking ancient, but whatever. We would get like this. I don't even. It was like it was like it was. It had like a giant jutting TV screen, and then just this massive brick full oh, no. of like just... a VCR and whatever the fuck. And you had to like strap that shit down to the center console, and like so we could watch TV on our stupidly long fucking road trips. But I usually, I didn't really get, I mean, I don't ever really get to remember to pick the VHS tape. I'm sure I got to at some point, but all I remember, because like, I enjoyed myself and I got to watch what I wanted to fucking watch, but I'm talking 18 hours or more road trips. And I had a lot of very young siblings. So they would be, I think, especially because it was like majority rule, if there were like three screaming babies in me, you had to kind of put on what would shut the babies up. Um, So it was a lot of Dora the Explorer. And all I remember from the one time we drove down to Florida when I was like seven-ish, maybe a little younger, was, um, no, I would have had to have been seven. And I only remember that because of the Sailor Moon doll I had with me for the ride back. Go figure. But anyway, so I had, it was three o'clock in the fucking morning. I had Doritos in my ass crack and it was the most uncomfortable (laughs) thing. (laughs) Like it was like all of the crust that accumulated from like the 18 hour fucking journey. (laughs) (laughs) because none of us were neat eaters on account of being children so i'm just sitting there it's sweaty it's hot we're probably somewhere near georgia i have doritos just manifesting in my ass (laughs) and dora the explorer is playing and i just i couldn't like it i i'm still part of me is still back there living in that moment that's my fucking slaughterhouse five thing like i hate it 
Yeah. Oh, and then the other God, time, it's what, yeah, where yeah, like there's a difference between driving by yourself in a car when you know how to and enjoy driving, and sitting in the back seat going Jesus Christ on top of I like also get car sick. In the oh best. yeah, I get car sick essentially at the drop of a hat. I'm so sorry. And so you know, if there's traffic, I'm car sick. I we my asked my parents so many times for like one of those big screens but we never got one and i'm glad we didn't because even seeing it in other people's cars as i'm driving makes me car sick yeah that's probably for the best i um, have if my like my sister can do she's there she's reading a book she's playing a game boy she's making lunch <laughs> and i'm like every all i do is suffer and i do not know why i'm so sorry the only the only big thing i still remember is it was, we were going to, we used to go to Myrtle Beach every summer. That was our summer place. But like we would, one year we piled into the car. It was me, my mother, my aunt, my grandmother, my sister, my, and I think my two younger brothers. There were a lot of fucking people in this car. And this was not the excursion or the expedition. This was a car that sat approximately six people. We had about six people. So that would have been fine, except we also had all of those six people's luggage. So all I remember is being oh, stuck in the back no. next to my poor, my poor, gra- my poor grandmother who like got to swap out and sometimes sit shotgun every so often. But like my, my poor grandmother oh, and I'm my sorry. sister. Does we're grandma all just- get special? No. You stay in the back in my me, yeah, in my we're house. All suffering together. We're all, but like my mom and my aunt would sometimes drive up front, and then my grandmother, and my mom, and like you know, like they swapped off. But I didn't on account of being like eleven. So I'm just sitting there in the fucking back seat, and because it wasn't one of the expeditions or the excursions, it was we only had CDs. And this was I either didn't own an iPod or I I don't fucking know, but I had to listen to Billy Joel's Greatest Hits Volumes 1 and 2 for the whole, like, 14-hour trip. It would stop, and then it would just go back to the beginning, and it would be Piano Man all fucking over again. And I do think that's the best way to sum up this episode. Yeah, I mean, I think you're absolutely correct. Let's go into the episode. Okay, this week's episode... We clearly touched a nerve, incidentally. uh, Tenth episode of the fourth season of Legends of Tomorrow called Deeper Throat. This is an episode that touched on um, all of our our childhood memories. Um, Uncomfortable interactions with your parents. Uncomfortable interactions with your dad. Um, uh, Car rides that you do not want to be on. Someone, someone yelling at you and like, maybe it's your fault. Like, they're the adult and they should know better. Yeah. Not, not that I, I'm blaming, because, like, Sarah isn't actually, like, the adult. She's not, like, Mona's actual mother. And no. I think we're going to talk about how good this episode actually was for her. But, yeah. like, I mean, I would have killed to be She's the authority figure. A, it's like getting yelled at by your camp counselor. I would have killed to be in the fucking RV. In a fucking yeah. RV. Because at least that had a bathroom and, like, a bed. And yeah. That actually, my parents like, always sort of tossed around, like, okay, well, maybe we'll get an RV. And we never did. No, you know, never. Like, honestly... The idea of my dad driving an RV is absolutely die. fucking terrifying. And yeah. the idea of my mother driving an RV is, is worse. It's worse. It's worse. And so it's, it's definitely worse. There's one person I trust to drive an RV and that is Tim. And that is end of, end of list. End of list. Yeah, now. 
The one benefit to that shit is like when you have an RV, people avoid you. And that's really what you're banking on is that they don't want to be near you. So you can just, as long as you're going in a straight line, you're good. You're going. But um, if you're not going in a straight line, you'll probably die. I don't know. Um, I'm used to driving in really big cars. I learned how to turn. And when I started learning how to drive, I learned how to turn in the excursion. So I'm really good at like fucking drifting everywhere except in video games. Everywhere except. Okay. So one time to try to teach Ari to drift better. It was really bad. I just Um, have never been good at racing games. I mean, if you were watching our fucking Batman stream, you would have noticed. It's really First bad. of all, that was Edward Nygma's fault. Second yeah, of all, that was definitely his fault. Gotham, do you know what Gotham did? Could you hold on one sec? Could you imagine if we'd been playing that fucking level and Barbie Girl had been playing muffled in the background? <laughs> it really would have improved the driving that experience. That fucking incredible, and it's the true Edward Nygma experience. And also, fucking Gotham, like they're doing their last episode is going to be a ten-year time skip, and they're like, okay, we're going to cast an older actress as Selena. But not for Bruce. And I'm like, you... I'm like, and this is not on David. Because you should have kept Cameron as well. Like, what the fuck, Richard? Really, It is really weird. And it's kind of disrespectful. Where it's like, I get that. Especially because she still does look very young. That people might be like, oh, it's only been 10 years. But I'm also like, who fucking cares? Like, it's Gotham. Who gives a shit? Like, let her... Like, she deserves to end this role. And, like, be there. So it does I mean, stop. this. Thankfully, the finale is not the last episode they filmed. The yeah. last scene they filmed was the um, was Jim and Lee's wedding, where Bruce and Selena have that really nice kiss, yeah. which is like in my heart, like the proper ending. But I'm yeah. like, I'm always going to remember Gotham as a show that was like fun and like it was gay. fun to watch and gay, and I did enjoy it. But it always took the road of most resistance, yeah. even as I sat there begging it not to. Yeah, it was, it was, it really wanted to be things that it didn't have to be because Gotham was already enough. Like, you're ju- you just need to be you, baby. But, um. Oh my God. It's just, yeah. I also was like getting some real dusk, dusk till dawn vibes of, so this episode. Also because this episode about, is shot in yellow. It was shot in yellow. All RV episodes have to be shot in yellow. Um, so this is an episode where. Um, we don't see a ton of Zari and Charlie, which is very sad for me. It is. But I know I know they're going to probably be in there more next week. Um, or else. The thing about that is, so we see a lot of, this was a very good Nate episode. And it was a very good, like, team episode. And there's a lot, like, it was a very, the thing is, is, like, I don't, it was a very good episode to the point where I'm like, I don't know why it's not one of my favorites. And maybe as we talk about it more, it will. That's a very good way of putting it. But we'll we'll have to see. It's about, so the legends have to, so we did mention, I think I might have cut it because our audio was just off the fucking charts. Yeah. Um, But we were really looking forward to how bad their Nixon was going to be. He wasn't terrible. It wasn't like Lyndon B. Johnson levels of bad. He was very entertaining, but they also did not give him a ton of room. And like Katie posted two photos on her just the actor doing the Nixon peace signs in like different locations, like stupid locations. And I'm like, see, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> see, Phil, well, it, that the only is comedy. The weird thing about the Nixon thing, and I guess if we're because you know, it doesn't matter. The the they they didn't really he was just sort of there because they felt like they needed to have a historical figure involved in this storyline. 
And I bet yeah. they thought they were making a plucky political point. And again, and stop it. I'll, I, I'm going to get Noam Chomsky to come to your fucking house. Um, I swear to fucking God, I'm calling NPR on you. <laughs> no, not NPR. <laughs> I don't know what they're going to do about it, but I'm letting them know. <laughs> but, um, like, I think the thing with the Nixon bit was that, you know, he goes, he goes with, he doesn't really do much. He's sort of like, he just gets like tranked a lot and then like shoved in the closet. And it's, you know, the dick in the box, dick in a box line, which I'm like, oh good, Andy Samberg's lawyers are on speed dial. When John but, Constantine um, shoved Nixon into the bathroom and said, let's put dick in a box. Oh my God. And from dusk till dawn, they shoved Richard in the bathroom. He goes crazy. Oh, son of a bitch. And, that's, and, and thankfully Seth Gecko did not make that joke. I'm surprised Scott had, didn't. If he had, then when I saw DJ, I would have punched him in person. Yeah, that's fair. And he would have deserved it. Um, I mean, this dead. is only not- somewhat due to your terrible joke. There are multiple reasons for this. Okay, so also Phil Clemmer, like, briefly came onto Twitter today to tweet, like, dumb. And I was like, oh, God, oh, God. But then oh, I was no, also oh, like, no, oh, no, oh, no! I was also like, you know what? Power move. Die on your shield. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at this point, fuck it. So, like, the thing about Nixon was, like, at the end of the episode, he's like, yeah, you've all inspired me. I'm going to try to be a better and more honest person. And they were like, no. And I think if it had been maybe a less current historical character who we're kind of hearing echoes of right now due to the everything that's going on all the time in the news at the moment, maybe it wouldn't have stung so much or been as weirdly, like, existential. But... There's something very like they're like no, we're just gonna let Watergate happen. We're gonna we're gonna you know we're gonna just fucking let American politics get even more cynical, aggrandizing, and self-serving. We're gonna destroy the public's trust, and it's got fuck it. We're not gonna try to improve the situation. And like I get why because blah 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 time travel, but like it was really weird that they even bothered to have that bit because it's just like in an episode that actually was, and sometimes the show struggles with this pretty tonally consistent and the funny bits always felt funny and the sad bits always felt sad and it was all relatively appropriate that was a weird one yeah sometimes mix it would mix in oh my what a freudian penis um (laughs) it would it would just like be like okay you know wow what an emotional moment here's richard nixon yeah like what no put put david can we get nixon out of here God damn it. That God, was, that like, was literally the episode. Like he literally just like, and it's a shame because I would have, I, I wanted it to be, I wish they'd saved Nixon and Watergate for like a wacky heist film style thing because that would have been funnier and more appropriate. Um, but instead this episode was like, what if we did an episode that's just kind of a straight ripoff of Smokey and the Bandit for like no fucking reason? And the only reason I know about Smokey and the Bandit is because it's my dad's favorite film and I think I've probably watched it five times. Do I remember a lot about it? No, but it's my dad's movie. So I'm just like, who the fuck is this for? Like, who who is this show being made for? <laughs> like, I don't really, my dad isn't really the target audience for Legends of Tomorrow in any way, shape or you form. And like, that's fair. But it's like, the CW, if, they'll take whatever they yeah yeah but like it is the sort of thing where i was i just remember i think almost this episode would have been better for me and i probably would have liked it better if i hadn't watched that insider thing where phil's like this is gonna be our tribute to like the road movies of the 70s and stuff and i'm just like it wasn't though (laughs) it was a very good episode but if you want to call it a road movie tribute it's a really bad one you did not 
shot for shot reenact the opening of Semen und Semen. And like that would have been good. Like there were I appreciate Imagine imagine if we actually made jokes and didn't you know how when you get the abridged series in the later episode where, where Joey is like references aren't funny. And uh-huh. we're just and like and like little Krivo's looking I at us and we're looking at him. <laughs> I love how they do. It's, I hate it. I, I just and, like, and it's just it's like, hey, bit, the reason I talk like this is your fault, asshole. So maybe it's don't. a little bit. It's a little bit liar, liar. Uh huh. And it's like, a little bit. Um, Nate's extremely sad life all the time. Oh, he's what? so fucking sad. It's, it's also it's also Nate Haywood voice. I'm traumatized. I'm serious. That might be another reason why, as much as I liked this episode, it's like with the. I haven't rewatched the Vietnam episode because even though no, I would I say it's either. one of my favorite in the series, I'm like, I physically can't go through that. Like, and so this is going to be one of those episodes where, because Mona and Nate, two characters who I really love and I'm very fond of, go through so much pain in this episode. It's like, it's very well done and I appreciate what it does for their characters, but it's also like, I don't want to watch Can I also that again. just mention that like, I see people say stuff like Mona's starting to grow. Like, you know, and I'm like, a guy character can be like Gary, and everyone's like, oh, ha ha, he's a fandom, so wacky, da da da. And the second, like, a female character, like, even does that, they're like, oh, it's so annoying. I'm like, hello? Hello? Well, like, I've never seen this request for, like, Gary to have more depth, like, Mona needed to have to be likable. Mona right? was likable, like, and that's the thing is, I'm like, she's she could always also- been good. Yeah, and she also had depth without necessarily having this much upfront suffering. Like, when she was talking about how, like, her parents really wanted her to get a different job and her struggles with, like, being an adult and having, like, what are implied to be kind of helicopter parents, to say the least. Like, she... Legends, let's let's not go any further on that one. Not... Yeah, oh god. No, 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 no. Um, but like when she she was like, and she had those little flashes of it that made her likable, relatable. I I mean, in my opinion, she was because she was a character who was really smart and cared a lot, and you could tell that she cared about the magical creatures and that she cared about like, and she wanted to do a good job. And you know what? Like that's enough. That's a great character. She doesn't have to be fucking sad. Like it's great that she her sadness was handled well and it meant something but i really am so fucking over this idea that the only way to have character deaths is to have them just be have horrible things happen to them or for them to be depressed and it's like that can work if it's handled well but at the same time sometimes it's just like no she was good before this is great for her but like she was still really good before and if you didn't realize that like that's a you problem Mm -hmm. like mona is the only person like as much as i love charlie i have never quite that she's like the heart of the team but like mona slides in and it's weird because like amaya was in season two and season three but like i think that's why they're so insistent that charlie is gonna be the heart now and i don't mean this as it like i really like that charlie's a much different character i think one it says a hell of a lot about Maisie's acting and two um I don't think she has to be like the heart of the team to still be really good and important. And my thing is, is like Mona works much better as the heart of the team, especially when you consider like, if we go by like what the two, the four a finale was, um, the qualifications for keeping the team like morally good were giving a shit about the magical creatures and not just letting them murder them wholesale. And that's a role that Mona is hopefully starting to fall into. 
but like could have totally started doing so much earlier because we saw her get involved with the magical creatures way before like this cope i think took forever to like metastize it was really weird yeah but- i think that's another thing where like we're kind of like she's very upset about this and reasonably so but also the cope i think took so fucking long yeah, I was almost, like, relieved. I was like, well, thank fucking God. Now she's going to get to her part of the story. Like, I don't fucking want, you know. Like, so that was a part of it. But also, yeah, she's just such a better, like, upbeat moral core of the team. And I really love Charlie. And I definitely think she can, she's, like, challenging more than affirming. And the challenge is good. Sometimes the team does need to be pushed and told, like, hey, you're fucking up. And you you're you need to, you need to fix this. But, like, that isn't what I would necessarily call, like, the part of the team and mona fits that role better and, and i don't i'm hoping so the show embraces that Maya in so many ways like i i did really like when mick tells her like the fact that one mick already she's the cope yeah that like i'm sure she told him like oh this like he i didn't i didn't cope out i don't know what happened and mick is like yeah okay like and then he's like kind of surprised that she doesn't tell sarah right away yeah but then he's also like, because like sometimes Mick does like say things before people are right. Like he told Nate, like, oh, this is like he basically introduced Nate to Charlie before the team thought he was ready. Yeah. But when it came to Amaya, Mick always had her back 110%, kept all her secrets. Yeah. Was super. And like Amaya was the same thing for him. And like, you know, Amaya is the one who was like, you do have an animal inside you, but that's not everything you are. And yeah. she was also very much like, you don't have to be ashamed of who you are. Oh my God, my nail is coming up. Okay, well, I'm going to see my tech tomorrow. I'm just so... I'm so sorry. Uh, but I, just, and I think it's interesting because like as much as Mick, I think, supported Amaya, Amaya was the one who really like emotionally there for him in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. But this time, Mick is taking all of those lessons he learned from Amaya and sort of imparting them onto Mona. And that's a really good thing. Um, one, it shows Mick's grown. Two, it shows Amaya. Like, Amaya's impact is still so keenly fucking felt in the show. It is so it's fun amazing. Nate and Zari. I'm going to lose my mind. I'm not uh-huh. sure, like, do we want to just jump to them really quickly? Because yeah, we might as well. there is so much between them. First and foremost, what the fuck is the hiring process at the Time Bureau? Is it just like, hey, you trans? Cool. Take a blazer. Yeah, I think that's pretty much. I mean, it's also the sort of thing where because she was a legend, I think it's almost the sort of thing where it was like they wanted as many of the legends. They were hoping as many legends as possible would join the Bureau so they wouldn't have the legends anymore. And and also, you know, Nate's dad does, like, he did think that they were dating. So he's like, oh, she wants to stand by her man. How no? Mm-hmm. Whereas, sorry, <laughs> sorry, Nate, like, yes, we are, we are monogamous heterosexuals. That's yeah. us. Love that. I've never, never been two more monogamous heterosexuals out there. Big fan of so big. I, I, none of us have sex with other people. None of us are thinking about having sex with other people right now. I've never looked at another human being. You can't, you can't. I love rules. I can only see or be seen by straight people. In fact, (laughs) that's that's a fact, Dad. (laughs) (laughs) But like the fact that I mean, there's just so much that like. Nate and Zari are still very much getting used to each other, and like, yes, they care a lot about each other supporting each other and like this is also an episode that's like this is your family and you can always come back to it and we have your back yeah and that was like i mean literally because i was like okay are they going to be trying to play like a long con like young justice season two did god i hope not and like immediately fucking nate and sorry running onto the ship like guys news like you don't think they're gonna 
Like just the absolute lack of thought and being sneaky was no. so good. But it's one of those things where like we saw how well Amaya and Zari worked together when they were in combat together. And yeah. we also saw how much Nate and Amaya sort of supported each other and how he brought her out emotionally, but also that she was very much his shoulder to cry on and that he did express those emotions to her very deeply. Yes. And that was important. And like, that's the thing <laughs> is that's why they are so close to each other. As much as I appreciate their closeness and I think it's cute and well handled, I don't think it's unreasonable to say that the only reason they're this close right now is because they were the two people who were closest to Amaya. And so that in its own weird way is what's bringing them together. I mean, it feels to me like they're kind of looking for it and they just, I think they feel like this might be best. And like they're, when they did their little fist bump, that was adorable. But like at the end of the episode, when Nate finds out that almost is up to, I mean, not that they, not even that they almost kissed. It was that she, you remember when Nate's grandfather died and he starts bawling. Yeah. And Amaya is there for him. And Zari sort of puts herself out there because you remember when Zari was like, I don't have my totem. I don't want to do this. And Amaya stayed by her side and supported her. And so she's trying to offer Nate sort of the support that Amaya gave him. And he's just not ready. Like he very clearly doesn't see her that way right now. No. And And that's fair. Like, I think that's a big part of it too, is like, they're still emotionally feeling each other out because they were like really comfortable and okay with being like, best buddies in that kind of like fun way like we saw in here i go again where they were like bros and then now they're like well maybe this is something different but like maybe it isn't maybe we just both really miss amaya and actually i don't really know and my emotions are not where they were a couple seasons ago and that's a good thing like it's interesting like i i really do appreciate that it's taking time to develop and i just am so interested in the fact that it is developing because as it does you can just feel the absence of amaya Like, they're just both, like, that moment where they did the almost kiss thing and they're both thinking about Amaya. Like, it's very, like, there's just, like, it's because they don't even really get close to each other. They just, they give each other, like, they say, they leave room for Jesus and they stare at each other. And and then Nate's like, oh, "Oh, I don't, oh, I'm. I do want to mention also that if somebody wears a time brew, they are trans. So congratulations, Zari. I love you. You're so beautiful. Dot Haywood is so fucking excited about those grandkids. Dot Haywood fucking kicking the door. Dot Haywood is literally going, like, having, I know that she's, like, next episode at Hank's funeral, like, when Nate's friends are all gathered, she's, like, she's going to look at, like, she's going to see Ray there, she's going to see Mick there, she's going to start visualizing the future like the secret told her, and she's going to be like, Nate, I know this is your father's funeral, but you two weren't super close anyway, so if you want to take your friends to the basement... I have wine coolers. I have so many wine coolers. I'm a, <laughs> I have, I have wine, wine coolers. I put some lubricant down there, but no condoms. No, never. Oh, I, 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 I what? I ran out of, I, <laughs> mom, what? What the fuck? Like, and this was a very interesting episode because Ari and I kind of did want Hank to like I'm not even gonna say kind of we wanted Hank to die and he did so all we do is win and yeah but Um, there was the most distinct moment I remember from this episode and I think this is another part of the reason why as much as it's a good episode and I know it's a good episode I'm I'm uncomfortable with it that moment where 
Nate tells Zari something and Zari is on the radio and like Hank realizes or no that the when when the when Hank's password gets hacked and he realizes that like Nate must have been the one like he clearly puts it together that like Nate somehow like lied which is like also kind of like weirdly specific but I guess he only has one password because he's an old old man but like in any case number one to, to, to completely deviate it would have been much funnier and less depressing if they'd been like we don't know how to do the password but oh my god what are we gonna do and it's because he's like a thousand years old it's just taped to the back of the fucking monitor um that would have been funny and less depressing but that moment where like you see that hank knows that nate has betrayed him and then nate has to get back into the car with him and pretend like everything's fu- like and he thinks everything's fine and it's great and he totally got away with it and his dad knows and they're just fucking driving and like i like i was climbing the fucking wall like i could feel it in my chest i was like oh my god he is in so much fucking trouble and he doesn't even fucking know trouble and that's why like when he wasn't and it kind of got resolved i was like oh huh but then i was also like oh something happened yeah it was less that it got resolved and more that they just didn't like they just didn't it it just it did they didn't specifically like it's not like he said i forgive you son it's fine like it's just more that it didn't really matter and he never really blew up at him and then other stuff happened and then conveniently enough he died so there's no worry that he'll bring it up in six months from now yeah just to he fuck redeemed himself he redeemed himself and then doesn't do like a bad parent redeems or like what any sort of happens in like just life where it's like okay well you did this good thing and you're growing and oh you did it again let's yep. rebuild our relationship from scratch yep instead he just he just he just he ends the cycle by doing the only thing that maybe a like a bad parent can do to end the cycle which is die it was i think it was even more hard because they were in a car and i'm like there's nowhere for him to run you cannot tuck and roll the beetle went in like every legend's mouth and none of them had a problem with just sharing something that was in every mouth yeah where i'm like oh okay so we're we're not we're not super crazy about telling the truth but we're totally fine with each other's spit okay yeah no big fan big fan of that i will say also speaking of the bug that was a very well animated like that looked like an actual roach like that was very cute and i also think they just made it a cockroach because i understand that maybe because they mentioned that it was um god um i think think but that it was an egyptian goddess's bug you would have thought that maybe they would have made it a scarab but they didn't, because I don't think any of them know Imagine what a scarab they looks like. Imagine afford scarab 3D effects on a fucking... That was a roach that we found on set. Yeah. We named, him, stayed, we named was... him Roachy 2, because as you know... <laughs> Super of, cool. <laughs> everyone on the Legends cast, big Monster Factory, McElroy fans. Oh, God. And um, God, no, if, that, if that were true, I would leave, I would fear for my life. Oh, I yeah. Would no, I, would quit. I would quit now. Change name. Boating school. New city um but like that was a very cute roach so there's that i mean it was nice i appreciate it i always appreciate when bugs are like given attention to detail um and they don't make them look like weird little flesh humans but like with carapaces it's so upsetting once you start seeing it it like in the weird like it just is ugh um there was a train of thought to this. Right. No, the whole truth thing. I also appreciate, and this is where the episode really could have fucked itself if they'd let, if they'd had Mick start doing truth telling shit and it got really dark because it's Mick. Darkest sketch. But they didn't. And I was like, thank you, Jesus, because there's a lot of horrible things that Mick could be very honest about and they would all make me incredibly sad and we didn't need them. But I am also incredibly fond of um, how 
Ray and Don just use it as like an, an excuse to like gay bicker? Like, well, first of all, Ray said, I really don't feel like Ray said anything he wouldn't have said. Like that thing where he's like, no. sometimes I worry the darkness is going to swallow me. I'm like, shut up. I Read know. a different book. You're so uh-huh. dramatic. You're like, shut the fuck up, Hamlet. Like no one fucking cares. You're not Hamlet. You're Quixote. Let's not be let get- And also just fucking, fucking, um, the two of them, Mick and Mona sitting next to each other in that goddamn with the dusk vibes. With uh-huh. the dust vibes was so upsetting for me. Uh huh. It was bad. It was really bad. I will also say this about the John and um, Ray thing, and especially with John, just in general with John this episode. Um, a friend of ours we were talking to said something, and we were talking about like the show, and we we're talking about Constantine, and they were like, "Well, Constantine's not really on. Like, he's not really a team player. Like, he doesn't really work with people often. So it's kind of been weird seeing him on the show." And I, they're the right because like he's usually by himself or has like Chaz and maybe Swamp Thing and one of the things we also brought up is oh my god can you fucking imagine the show having to do Swamp Thing like they would just throw Swamp Thing is literally just someone covered in kelp yeah they would just they would just get a green blanket and like that's it it's just some dude shuffling around in like an old green blanket and like maybe like some of the oh god he's just wearing like a fucking camo suit like he's going hunting because they don't have anything else and anyway like as much as they were right, I also gotta say, um, I really appreciate that John is being forced to be a team player. As much as he bitches about it, as much as he's clearly like adjusting to it, I genuinely think it's nice when characters who are usually lone wolf types have to learn how to be more social and it does improve them and it improves their perspective on the world and their ability to connect with others emotionally. And it's usually It's a good up. thing. Like, John shouldn't stagnate. Mm-hmm. I, you know, comics characters especially have a really bad problem with just being the same character forever. So it's nice to see at least one continuity where Constantine can go from being like a surly loner who gets everyone around him killed to being forcibly inducted into the hat club. And like, I like that. I appreciate it. He really is the Jeff Winger of this group. I, I just, Mick wanting hair and Ray and Mona being like, yes. 100%. Also, the reference to Fabio specifically, because Fabio was on a lot of those like romance novel color mm-hmm. covers or men who looked like Fabio. So I do think it was deliberate. I'm like, like Dominic, you literally are that not Dominic. Fuck. I mean Dominic Purcell personally. As we all know, Dominic Purcell with hair is kind of perfect. But um Mick, like you're that I'm like I love how Mick is like, I want long hair like Fabio. I want to be the romantic lead of this novel. Like people are not throwing themselves at him day in day out he's so fucking tired he's so tired the reason he likes charlie so much and zari so much is because they don't want to have sex with him <laughs> they're the only two fucking people like really? he- i mean i also and like and that is also why he he and sarah have gotten so close um i also want to say in terms of constantine like i have never liked him and sarah romantically what wow. mark guggenheim said about them getting together was really gross and it was very clear that he just thought it would be funny to put them both together because they're both bisexual so they must be sluts right um fuck mark guggenheim can't yeah. say that enough cannot ever and i really um have never cared for them romantically but as friends there's a lot of like similarities between them where like yeah it makes a lot of sense for them to lean on each other or be like well they hey, are basically the same person like i know how you think because i'm thinking that way 
Mm-hmm. But if I was ha- like, like you and I are very similar, but if I was sad, you would say this to me. And now that you're like, it was very good. And they're, it was good. I did really like it. So, so good. It, it, like, and that's, and that's what I meant when I'm like, I really like seeing Constantine on a team because it, this is the kind of stuff that, that, that results in where he acknowledges these things, acknowledges the things he's learned and does actually use them to do something meaningful for someone else. I really loved it. It was a really good scene. And like, that's the thing about Sarah and John is, yeah, I don't really like them romantically at all, but they are also Jen because they are like literally the same fucking person. And it's that rare example of like, when you know someone who is almost exactly like you, you are either best friends or mortal enemies and they are best friends usually. Um, So it works because they are just basically each other, but one has longer hair than the other. Like That's it. Um, And one of them doesn't have a stupid accent. I wouldn't call this episode gay in, like, a fandom way, but, like, there's something for the fact that Sarah goes through, like, a genuine grief process, like, over losing Ava. And, I mean, on one level, I'm, like, I think TV relationships on the whole need to understand that you have an argument, you don't break up, and I will say they didn't specifically use the B word. Like, they just had Sarah be like, she's not responding to my calls, and she's clearly really upset, and we ended on bad, like, we left on bad terms sort of thing. But they didn't say breakup, which I appreciate, because it's kind of like, it's way more realistic, especially in a relationship that's clearly, like, at that stage of intimacy that theirs is, that, like, Ava wouldn't just be like, it's over, we're done, and I'm breaking up with you. Like, it doesn't really work like that. No, it really so, doesn't. You know, like, and she clear she's suffering over it for, like, the whole episode. It's, like, it's, even though Ava's not there, the fight she had with Ava is, like, 95% of what drives Sarah through this episode. So, I mean, if you can't... Yeah recognize that then i don't really know what like what also i do also want to say and like is this baiting i don't i don't know i don't i mean this is the thing is i know legends i know the writer when especially when we looked at the deleted scenes last season when we look at the way the cast interacts this is a group that really cares about each other and is not doing anything to fuck anyone over yeah and so it's really important to me that like Every this oh my god the fact that Nate tells everybody and I'm also like did did nobody like when Nate tells everybody that he loves them and then so when his weird. dad is like is she your girlfriend and he's like no but I'd be like Nate would genuinely bang anyone on this team have you met him yeah it was he really is good. emotional he is loving but like it is really nice to have I mean yes Nate has always been sensitive and he's always been emotional. Like, Nick is a big white dude. And as people have pointed out to me, the way the male characters develop in Legends is not by getting darker and, like, losing hope and getting grimmer. It's by opening up and being nicer. And, I mean, no, it's not, this didn't end sexism in one fell swoop, but it's nice. Well, it's that sort of thing where it's, like, it's an appreciation of, like, male emotions. And it's why I liked other discourse-based shows, Stephen like That's i genuinely it. i love that nate is like this very gentle and empathetic character so fucking good and and it's the sort of thing where not even just that but the fact that nate and it was off it was relatively offhandedly but he's like yeah my dad finally told me he loved me and after like years of therapy and he specifically brings up having to go to therapy and like that had me on the floor because there's not really a lot of times where one character mentioned going to therapy like in a like in a serious way and not just an oh i need therapy after that like whatever happened thing or as like not a joke and it's also treated as a positive thing 
like the bar is in the toilet so it is really nice that like nate but also just so upsetting like on like you're just like wow a lot of horrible things have been happening like nate is one of those characters where we got introduced to him and he seemed like and you know we were all wary because monel and he seemed like even when he started getting sweet he didn't seem like we didn't really have to know and it didn't really matter a lot about what his backstory was like at that point in time but now that we're learning more about his backstory and his past it's really like you're just like you haven't like this team is the first good thing you've had in your whole life you have not had like you're deeply traumatized and we're only just now kind of getting the full scope of it and that's really interesting and good character development like we're seeing like you're you're realizing a lot of things about this character in a way that make you or at least in my case that make me really sad and really empathetic and just like feel a lot for him yeah and it's you know it also does bring up this one minor discrepancy and i know it's legends so it's legends but like if nate's family is like super wealthy like why were why wouldn't they still like the only thing that changed in doom world was like nate's life like why wouldn't dot and hank still be like absurdly wealthy no they like, were but he nate was in- living in like bill and ted's fucking basement no he lived in his mother's basement that basement was enormous i i couldn't really it didn't it didn't feel like the same house or setting but like who fucking knows i i maybe they hadn't thought of that like i get I mean, that also it's, the thing is you know that honestly ideally nate wanted to keep him in that basement maybe in like one grandchild yeah 100 percent. no nate has been like and i gotta say he's one of and i think by virtue of the fact that he stayed the longest outside of the original roster or what remains of it mm-hmm. The only people that remain from the original roster are literally, like, Mick, Ray. The OGL, baby! Oh, please. Oh, oh my god. Yesterday was Emily's last day on Arrow, and her behind-the-scenes photos were so cute. They were like, here's my cast, I love everybody, here are the people who make the magic happen, I love kissing Katie Cassidy. Here are more fun photos, wow, you're amazing, I (laughs) I love this, here's us working out, love in the air between Felicity and Black Siren. Wow, what a great time I've had. And I'm like, she did it for us, lads. She said I feel like it's gonna forever, be and she rode into the fucking sunset. Yeah. And I feel like it's going to be a thing where she's going to tell Black Siren to, like, go be with him in a way that's very clearly supposed to be, like, Taylor Swift's You Belong With Me plays in the background kind of thing, which would be a good way to end it, but who fucking knows? And I don't care because I'm not watching Arrow principle anyway i'm proud of felicity uh glad she and laurel are faking oliver's death for the insurance money or making his death real for the insurance money um although i I will say just the the comments the comments that were like please come back for this finale like we you get like we need felicity happy ending knowing all fucking die it's so good it's so good it's so good um it's so fucking good it's so like it's so good it's like it's like siri how do i get the money i bought fucking park bench back yeah it's just it's so beautiful i hope that i hope that bench is a pokestop just so i can go visit it someday and go ah yeah (laughs) but okay and like that's Um, the thing is yeah now that i realize that like nate is the only one of that like he's he's the longest non-original legends member who's been there so we really have seen him grow and develop because like as much as Amaya has also Maisie has been there as long like she 
it's not the same character technically, so it doesn't count quite the same way. So we really watched Nate grow and develop a lot. Like we didn't like him for the first two episodes because we were like, oh god, it's Monel 2.0. Fuck. And then he yeah, started being- And now we've rewatched them and we're like, and now he's my actually son. do anything unlikable. Which- so frightened. We were just that's the thing, is like, yeah, if you watch those episodes, he didn't do anything wrong. We were just really afraid they were gonna put him with Sarah and he was gonna be like the new like surprise lead of the show. I was so I was Ugh. But so like he went from being really sweet and goofy to being really sweet and goofy, but also like with really this mature. deep inner core of like some VC Andrews level fucking dysfunction. Um, he he has matured so much, and we've really been seeing that. And like that requires a really good actor. And if we want to talk about maturity, I actually feel like we've even seen Katie grow as an actor. Oh, 100%. I know we've talked about before. We have? I couldn't see Katie from season one doing this episode. I couldn't. I mean, and the thing is also, the more I thought about her and the way she interacted with Mona, the more I was like, I know that you take care of the legends and that you love them, but this is you looking at Mona like, I'm the big sister. Yes, I was going to say, like, this is very much her being not sure how to be the big sister at that moment okay like just it was so and that was like very much it was like you know and i think one of those things that we've like that's kind of interesting about sarah and laurel is that like they love each other very much but they also always had like kind of limits on how well they understood each other like now they went through different things and so sarah has been going through so much as like a, like and she always saw Laurel as this very strong person as a leader and as her big sister. Yes. And you just like think about how it. much she's doing to make Laurel proud, like and how much of Laurel she's sort of taken into herself. Like if she's not going to be here, then I'll do it. Yeah. You know, because like running off. You know, I absolutely like there. I think it actually even happened in the flashback. And like Arrow is garbage. Don't watch Arrow for Sarah Lance because Mark has a torture porn boner. Um, But like, yeah, Laurel probably lashed out at Sarah and she would run off or Sarah would like run on. It's like, oh, this is what it was like for her. Yep. And just, I think there's like a real genuine love that Sarah develops for Mona in her heart, but there's also such a sadness to the conclusion of that um sort of Mona being the cope because like yeah Sarah yeah. felt the same way when she came back from the league she's like I mean that's the thing it's like when we talk about people with monsters inside them I think it's really interesting that Mona has the cope yeah and then Mick is talking about you know his mental illness and like the metaphorical one and then Sarah I don't really know if being I, I think Sarah's is also metaphorical technically yeah. And then, like, Nora's is not. It's very literal. And, like, I actually, let's talk about Nora. There's something mm-hmm. also to be said that that line, like, this is one of the rare shows where we see characters who have both literal and metaphorical monsters. Mm-hmm. Like, you usually have to choose between one or the other, but, like, in this ep- in this show, you get both. And, like, that is actually pretty interesting, I gotta say. And, like, it's, a good thing. Yeah. It's it's one of those things where like oh new BTS album dropped sorry <laughs> fuck legends Namjoon needs me pretty much um 
it's one of those things where like, first of all, that she didn't know Gary's name, that I think Mick has a book that's just supposed to be a prison. I think it's just supposed to be a prison break parody. I thought it was supposed to be, I thought it was a Fifty Shades of Grey thing. Well, it's called like Reasonable Doubt or Burden of Truth. And it's got like a little like eye symbol on it. And I think Wentworth Miller's character had that tattoo in Prison Break. I could be wrong. Oh, God. Where I'm like, stop writing about your husband. You think you think you think you're funny, don't you? You think, am I funny to you? Do I funny amuse like a clown? you? Do I amuse you? Like a clown? And then we were asked to leave Brandon Routh's table. Yeah, <laughs> we, keep, we keep doing this. And then, oh no, did Nick Xana just post a photo of Channing Tatum and his son? Oh Channing no. Channing Tatum is his son's godfather? Oh God! Oh, oh I, I hate that. I just really need some, I just really need this child to have a different influence. And it's, I just, I just really need this child, his, I don't, it's not an it, it's a little boy. It's a his. It's a his. Um. I just, okay, let's not, I, I can't, I can't do this. I want to talk about how Courtney fucking nailed it. Courtney is honestly, a, like, Courtney is fucking so My favorite good. thing is the super powerful female witch reacting to, like, magic, like, magic affects magic. Yes, I that was good. I love that shit. It is so good. And also, I mean, here's the thing is, like, it's very interesting that she's the one who's sort of standing over Hank and that she tries to rescue him because there are so many similarities between um, sort of like how Damien died and how Hank died. And like, yes. it's sort of one of those things where it's like, yeah, those guys were both pretty bad dads until the end when they were like, I, until they were both literally the like, worst. until they were both like, Damien was like, I will not let this demon destroy my child. And that is exactly what Hank did. Yep. As well. And it cost them both their lives, Whoop. which, like, you know, rip, 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 R.I.P. Yeah. in piss. Um, and I also just want to say that, like, absolutely no disrespect to the actor. Like, the fact that we dislike Hank this much and also we're able to sort of look at his, like, emotional stuff like that. Like, it, it was very well acted. Yeah. I just, I just feel like people sometimes have a hard time separating art from artiste. Not in the way that, like... This person not, in the, not in the Woody problem. Allen way, but in not, like a, not in the problematic way, but in the like this actor is not their character kind of yeah. way. No, so we're, stop we're just, sending hate to actors when you don't like their character. Yeah, that's not that's not this. Please, wrestling's not real. I just I feel like that's it, guys. Please, and it's also one of those things where like the fact that Nate. I mean, I guess if I was my dad was suddenly, I'd probably be like pretty shocked. But I'm also like, you just want her to get arrested so that Ray can see that she's a big meanie and that you're the one who put the handcuffs on him and gently pushed him against the RV in front of your dad. Yeah, like right in front of God, man. Like God saw. Like that was like one of the things where I was like, whose fetish is this? Phil. Don't like that. Like it was so specific where I was like, oh, okay, well, they're handcuffing them. Then Nate's dad is like, right? And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> we're just like oh can i literally can I the go? marge simpson the the fucking marge simpson like image i just lost it uh-huh and then the fa- also mick mick rory says fuck blue lives love that love that hell yeah ray never got pulled over sounds privileged to me okay that back was, to Nora. but also there is something because it's ray like i mean like i get you mm. and i but also like it's ray 
And I thought that was really cute. So she's standing, she's sort of over Hank's body, and Nate is like, convenient. <laughs> Not only am I about to inherit Christian dollars, but Nora will go to jail. And that's the thing, is it's very much like, it's very much, and it's very much like, a, oh, and uh, she killed your father. And I really, I'm so grateful. And I owe her, it's just Civil War all fucking over again. All, all over again. <laughs> Like <laughs> and I know and I know someone's gonna be like, is that a stony joke? Like, get over it. Get, Who yeah, cares? It's I don't want to talk you. about it. All right, anyway, I'm tired. Anyway, anyway, I don't actually think Nate and Amaya. Nope. I don't actually think Nate and Nora interacted much. Like the most he ever talked about her is when he was lifting weights after Ray spent a day with her. I know when he was having his gay jealousy moment. So, so like, like this, this is a very much like a love for that on it even if they and they probably wouldn't be like it's a romantic thing yeah like he absolutely especially because Amaya's not there strikes me as someone who's like well who are you to be getting more attention yeah now he's so upset and then for Nora to just be like I'm not gonna stand here and do this I'm just can I go can I go I mean <laughs> just that- Nora killed my dad oh my sorry I just inherited 20 million no, okay, also, I do want to just explain that people are like, no, that would go straight to mother. Not necessarily. It depends on the kind of in- life insurance policy that Hank had. It depends on the kind of trust that were set up for Nate. There's a lot of factors. Like, it doesn't just automatically go to dot, especially when you've got, like, that kind of money. There's going to be a lot of things in place to avoid taxing. Yeah. So, essentially, for all we know, Nate just inherited a bunch of trusts and got some life insurance, or maybe his dad even just gave him some. So, big house party. Hank's dead. I mean, I think this is a good way to wrap up the episode. Hank's dead. Next week, Zari is going to sing about her feelings. If she says even one line about how she feels about Amaya, I'm I'm just going to die. I'm going to end it. My one last thing. My one last thing. I got to say, Neuron is and and kudos. We give we shit on this this show special effects a lot and with I think incredibly justified and good reason. However, Neuron is so physically repulsive to look at in a good way where I respect the design that's going on here that I literally could not like do more like I could not do more than glance at him for a couple of seconds before going, "Oh god, I can't." Like it it I it, don't have that like whole phobia I don't, so I kind of he just kind of looks like a beehive. He kind of looks which like which I think is really beehive. good. Like, especially and, because he's, like, accompanied by Static a lot. And the Beast of the Forest. Yes. Yeah. Well, he definitely looks like the Beast. We could not afford him for... No. God, no. But there is, like, I did really enjoy that, like, he's... He, like, And I respect it in a very good way. But, yeah, I was, like, genuinely really unsettled by his physical appearance in so many fucking ways. And so, kudos. Good job, guys. Thank God. Because you don't I, do it that I mean, often. I really did it. So, I cannot wait. Next... Literally, Nate fucking coming onto the Wave Rider like Danny DeVito when he announces in Always Sunny that Dean Dennis's mom has died. Cigar in his mouth, holding a bottle of champagne. And also, somebody brings in apple cider for Zari. Just like, oh, yeah. he's dead. Who wants champagne and apple cider? Yeah. <laughs> Guess what? I know that we said we were going to Disney World. Now we're actually going to Disney World. <laughs> yeah. And then they all get sent to Disney jail for having group sex in the hotel pool. That's that's fair. That's also incredible. Chlor- chlorine should not be anywhere near any of those. It's going to kill the semen. How are we going to get a baby? Ha! Jesus Christ. 
<laughs> but uh yeah i think overall a really good episode i'm still mad about the last like the car stunts if you're gonna do a car road episode for god's fucking so we actually uh, we were like Brandon, fucking Brandon, can you pick up this car and throw it yeah it's like you guys know i can't actually do that and they were like i don't just I try don't, i don't <laughs> think they, i don't think they know i don't think anyone's told them that's not just superman and, and it's, it's one of those things I, I i'm so uncomfortable all the time like brandon had some really handsome moments like when he was really mad and he was like get this bug out of me i was like oh a little aggressive are we <laughs> <laughs> and i'm going yeah. to help yeah like i have no problem being like i think nick sano is very attractive and i have no problem being like Maisie richardson sellers is the most beautiful woman alive and tala is gorgeous but every time I'm like, wow, Brandon is really hot. I'm like, that's Superman. He can't know. He can't know. You can't have horny thoughts about him. He's Superman. I he feel that, know. though. I do. I really do. Anyway, um, can't wait. I just, I mean, is not wait Nate for next gonna, episode. Who's, gonna, who's Nate going to bang on his father's okay. Because it feels like it could be Mick, but it also feels like maybe this is how he and Zari are like, listen, I think this would be a really great first sex for us. <laughs> Or is it like, is it like, do they Mary take, Shelley. Does, Ray, does Ray start it and then Zari taps in? Is it everybody? Like, I've got to know the details. I'm just, I'm, I'm so excited to see how that goes. Dude just told his dead dad to suck it. Jesus. All right. But yeah, I think that's a good note to leave on. Uh, don't have horny thoughts for Superman. Stay and in school. Stay in school. Um, Tala, and, uh, Tala is God. And uh, have a good night. Good night. Oh no. Oh, Craig is still there. Okay. Thank God. Craig, no. Craig is still.